Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up for a new account to get amazing odds boosts every single day. We've got the whole crew out. AJ, Megan, Jesse, Rudo coming at you live to talk about the best units in the NHL. By units, I suppose we should start there. We're defining this as top six, defense, goaltender, and then also bottom six, but... I think bottom six probably gets a little bit more complicated than the other ones. So true. We'll see. We'll see exactly uh, how everything shakes out. The one in my mind, the one true top cut unit, I think that is indisputable is the Avs having the number one defense top six when healthy agree yeah. disagree i agree okay yeah i don't know if i have the familiarity with others to say in good faith but i do believe it all right Two I, I just yeah. agrees well no i i'm 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 a hard agree i, I can't think of any other group of six <laughs> that can't either is is that robust top to bottom i criticized the wilds decor in the season and i said that it didn't compare to the abs and the minnesota wild fans were really upset about that so i'm a little scared to talk about decor well the minnesota wild fans are upset about being minnesota wild fans so try not to pay them too much mind is who even comes close let's let's go with it that way is it really just is tampa bay that close you still have headman no not feeling not it. after not after McDonough. Not after losing yeah. McDonough. Okay. The Flames are the only one that I really, really, really like. Yeah, with, with adding Uyghur, their defensive mm-hmm. core is really good. Yeah, because you throw Uyghur, yeah, you have some some sort of a combination of Uyghur, Hannafin, Anderson, Tanev, Zadorov, Shillington. And that six uh very balanced. Uh, between the defense and the offense, uh, you, some of those guys like the the thing that that's missing is the top end, like the tip top offensive, offensive guy. Yeah. yeah, it's that guy to put up all the points for you. Uh, but they've got it's instead of that, you know, they have you know Noah Hannafin put up forty eight points last year. You know, Rasmus Anderson puts up fifty and runs their. Uh, runs one of their power play units. <laughs> Shillington puts up 31 in a more limited role than those other guys. And then, you know, Tanev, Tanev is just continuing to do what he's always done. And, you know, even Zadorov last year had a career high in points. But then you add Uyghur into that mix. You know, Uyghur is a 40-point guy. You have a lot of balance, Um in the scoring. So you don't have the 80 point guy, but you've got three 40 point guys, a little bit of score by committee for sure. Yeah. And your defensive defensemen still give you production. They aren't, they aren't the like, well, this guy played 70 games and scored seven points, you know, like it's not, it's not that limitation. So, uh, you have a really, really deep defense. I think, for me, I think the defenses are very clearly one Colorado and two Calgary. And I think after three is when you start to get into more of an interesting discussion because those two teams, to me, I think are pretty far ahead. Yeah. Uh, like we said, I had Tampa there until changes this this offseason but um yeah i agree with you i think it's pretty pretty what was that megan i think i'd have carolina as my three but you're right there's kind of a hard drop off between one and two and then there's a lot of room for discussion for that third place yeah carolina is in that glut of teams that i really like in that it'd be like a three to six range for me uh, where Carolina is absolutely in that range, where exactly, I don't know. But 
I really like the addition of Brent Burns because he's more balanced than Tony D'Angelo, who is a tale of two extremes. No, hate it. Use use your big boy words. I, I, I look. I think Brent Burns will be fine for them in the immediate, but he's also old, <laughs> and I have I have fears that the cliff for him is going to be aggressive. Uh, I think that the chance that they're taking is a lot more palatable at the salary that he's at now. Definitely the retained salary helped for sure. But you are talking about a 37 year old uh, signed for three more years. So every single year you're playing with fire that the guy just hits that wall and it's good. So I'm with you, but I like that Brent Burns balances out their the what what Tony D'Angelo brought. Sure, he's a much better defender. Um, he doesn't drive play the way that D'Angelo does offensively these days, but he still does it well enough that you're looking at the Brent Burns edition. You're putting him with Slavin, uh, and then you also have uh, Brett Pesci and Brady Shea. And honestly, Ethan Bear, if Ethan Bear is healthy and he's past his COVID issues and he's actually healthy again and he's ready to contribute, that's a really important player for them because that was a guy that was showing everybody he was ready for top four minutes. He was ready for a much bigger role. He was ready to take on uh, uh, increased competition. Edmonton is incompetent, so them giving up on him the way that they did. It's just what they do. Uh, and can, that Carolina valued him. Go, that's a smart organization that knows what they're getting on that side of the puck. Um, the fact that they valued him is just one of those things where it's like, okay, if that team wants a guy, that guy's valuable for some reason. And Bear has been kind of one of those under-the-radar quality defenders for the last couple of years. So, so I really anyway I really like I really like that Carolina defense. Let me, I'm I'm with you. Let me take a small tangent here because this is a conversation yeah. I've seen come up. Jacob Slavin. A lot of people have been tagging him as maybe the most underrated defenseman in the league. I'm over it. Yeah. I'm over it. Not about it. No, nah, man. Uh I think he gets properly rated. The guy gets the the guy gets a handful of Norris votes and people always slam the table and be like the Norris Trophy should be about defense. It should reward defenders instead of rewarding guys who play offense. And it's like, okay, but you can't just reward guys who play one side of the puck. That's what you're that's the argument that you're railing against. Is that guys who score points but don't play quality defense are overvalued, and guys that don't score a lot of points are undervalued. Well, Jacob Slavin put up 42 points last year. All right, it's not like it's not like the guy's a fifteen point player. It's not like Adam Pellick here. We are talking about a no offense, own defense only player. Jacob Slavin is properly rated. He is viewed as an elite defenseman, an elite defensive defenseman. His offense is just a touch underrated, but I think he's properly rated overall. He's very, very good, and everybody thinks he's good. This is like this is like when Eddie tries to argue that Ed that Nico Rantanen is underrated. Everybody agrees that guy is very very good. I think maybe the term that people are looking for is underappreciated. Maybe. I don't even know that he would be that. He gets he gets respect league wide, and I would imagine uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I would imagine he receives a decent chunk of Norris votes every year. Yeah, he's he was ninth in North voting this year, fourteenth last year, and fifth the year before that. He's also the rare defenseman to win a Lady Bing. Yeah. I like Slavin a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's great. He's great. Out of it. That's what it like, always comes down to. He's great. <laughs> No, but he is really great, and I'm I'm seeing now the argument come to life that it's not that he's not worthy of the praise, but that he 
he receives it. I don't know how the league feels about him as a whole, because I feel like I'm kind of on this bubble, but I do think that he is appropriately valued in Carolina. I think they're very high on him. Yeah, they love him, and like he's just not as good as the other two-way guys that are out there. That's it. His offense just isn't as good. And if he sold out more of his defense to be better offensively, then we talk about him like Roman Yossi. Like, why would you do that? Be balanced. Be good at both. My my thing is, because, I don't know, I I get why people say he's underrated, under whatever, because he's one of those players that, like, he doesn't, his game isn't sexy. He's like, he's kind of like Adam Foote, where, like, when you go back and you watch just watch the way that Adam Foote played. You're like, wow, this dude was an awesome defender. Uh, and who was it um, that did the, they did like a cut on a video on Slavin this year. And he's again, we're like all of his best plays are defensive plays, taking the puck away, rubbing guys out on the wall, uh, you know, peeling the puck off someone and transitioning it up ice. It's all stuff that like kind of goes unnoticed. So yeah, I, I, I like people that that really dig into that stuff. I'm with you, AJ. Understand how good he is, but I don't know. I, I can see why people say he's underrated, undervalued, under what the, whatever the hell. Uh, question. Yes. Mackenzie Weger or Jacob Slavin? Weger had 44 points in 80 games last year. Jacob Slavin 42 points in 79 games. Uh, obviously, both very strong defensively. Slavin. I, need, I need ages. Yeah. I, I, I think Jacob Slavin. You think? Yeah. Yeah. Slavin and Weger are both 28. Yeah. Age wise. Uh, yeah. Give me Slavin. Okay. That that easy. It seems like you didn't even have to think that hard about that one. I'm, I'm an easy convince. I have Slavin high in my dream draft so i just committed to that didn't tell us but number six was jacob slavin (laughs) (laughs) no no like uh for each position for the other pod i have him as one of the first that i would want ah got it all right well i guess that that settles that jacob slavin is better than mackenzie weger as (laughs) this this pod has never lied to anyone so when we uh when we do that uh, when we do get to the pod that we were supposed to do today, but we'll have to do next week, and we're drafting units, it's going to be elbows out to try and draft Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. It's going to be elbows out. Look, I, I, I'll play fair, but it won't always be nice. <laughs> Can Megan draft a special unit of only DU players? Is that an option? I did my mock draft early in the year to be cute and then I threw Kiefer Bellows to be a little funny. No one really knew where that one came from, but it was all DU otherwise. <laughs> all <laughs> right. Back. Love weird, it. Weird proposition. <laughs> um, okay. Do we, do we want to go any deeper on the defensive side? Do we want to have a conversation about four and five? Uh, I think I do think that with the offseason that they've had, Nashville's put themselves back in the conversation of one of the potential for one of the better defenses out there. Yeah. Um, I just think that, uh, for one, I'm a really big uh, Myers fan. Why don't you just come out and say you want to marry Ryan McDonough, AJ? It's okay. <laughs> Well, I can't do that because I just married my wife two weeks hey, ago. Some places allow polygamy. And I'm not interested in... I mean, I already lost ice cream the other day because she made the legal <laughs> argument over owning 50% of my shit. I'm not, I'm not cutting that into thirds. I'm not giving Ryan McDonough a third of my ice cream. But McDonough can buy you all lots of ice cream. That's It's true. true. McDonough can also buy his own bitch ass his own ass his own ice cream. That is 100 percent true. So I'm anyway, I think the addition of Ryan McDonough is huge because we saw what they what happened last year when they had to lean on Matias Ekholm in the postseason to be a defensive rock. He folded like the French. And that's just 
that that just can't happen. Uh, so they went out and they got another great end zone defender in Ryan McDonough to to try and bolster that uh, bolster that core a little bit. Um, Alexander Carrier is probably one of the more underrated, like just like solid. This guy is reliable and totally fine as a defenseman, as, as a guy that can be on your second pairing or third pairing, kind of depending on its construction. You don't want him to be like part of like a big three or anything, but Carrier is really like he's rock solid. Um, Boro Cop is still Boro Cop. He's got a funny face and he's mean to people. Cool. How, Jeremy, how, Jeremy, no, no lies detected. Jeremy Lazan and Dante Fabro don't really right. do much for me. They're fine. Like they're okay. I guess you could like it's they're fine. But I really do think that uh, Nashville, at least, they filled they filled like such a big need with McDonough uh, of getting a good end zone defender that it will really help them. But they're not, you know. Can Roman Yossi do what he did again? Uh, one of the reasons why we all have Colorado on top is because we think Kale McCarr is. Like Kale McCarr's takeover of the NHL is just beginning. Yep. Roman Yossi put up an unbelievable all-time great defenseman scoring season. Can he do that again? Well, it's not just Yossi, right? It's the lack <laughs> of a breakout, really, from Fabro. That... Yeah, I mean, like Fabro continues to be fine. Yeah. But compare that to the Avs, where it's like. You have McCarr at that level that you think sustainable. You're starting to see Byram show that next level is coming for him. Yeah. Where I just don't know. I just don't know how Nashville's defense takes that next step. Well, I think the addition of McDonough takes the step of, okay, now they're a formidable force. They're, sure. they're to be respected. I don't think they're as good as Carolina. But I think they're in that group right after it. Um, one of the other teams that I would put in that group after is Minnesota. I think that they're really solid top to bottom. They don't, again, they lack maybe the high end. But the overall construction of the group is sound. I think that's, I think that's one of the better units out there. I also really like the Kraken. Uh, I like them less this year than last year. But... I think the Seattle's defense overall remains above average. They've done a good job there. They drafted I mean, enough defensemen, that's for sure. Yeah. I do think Minnesota does have a well-rounded decor, and it is and it is among top in this conversation. Even though earlier I said it was of no comparison <laughs> to the Avalanche, that's just by comparison. But I do think top to bottom they are pretty well-rounded. It's... You do get into this interesting conversation, I think, because it's a little bit of the haves and have-nots of that high end, right? You talk about Makar in Colorado. You talk about Yossi in Nashville. And then you get into those comparisons of a, of a Calgary, of a Minnesota, where, look, really good defenses, really solid guys, but they don't have that explosive offensive defenseman, it feels like. Yeah. Well, and then a team that does kind of have the guy that you're expecting to be a really high-end offensive defenseman is Toronto with Morgan Riley. Yep. Um, and I really like the overall construction of their defense. Um, Jake Muzzin and TJ Brody aren't the guys that they were earlier in their careers, but they're still, you know, Mark Giordano, same thing, but they're still solid presences, still solid vets. Um, we've started to see a little growth from Liljegren and – Rasmus Sandin, if I I don't even know where he fits into that group anymore. Um, I think Justin Hall sucks, so I'm kind of out on that guy. <laughs> you but the entire city of Toronto I, also I just, that, so just don't think he's. I just don't think he's very good. So uh, I'm not sure of the assistance and continuing to fuck with that, but I do think that they have an underrated defense. The way that everybody talks about the Maple Leafs is like like all gas, no breaks, and I just don't think that that's accurate at this point. I think they have a solid defense. Uh, I, 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 so much of their defensive side has revolved around whether Jake Muzzin can stay healthy or not. 
Yeah. They, and that's the health is why I have Boston's defense below this conversation is because like half their defense is out until December or later. Yeah. So, uh, but if they're healthy, they're in that grouping as well. The, the Toronto defense thing, <clears throat> obviously, obviously we just went through and said like, they're not, they're not at the level of the abs, but I agree with you, AJ, in terms of like, I think that, that team has gotten more of like a reputation for being a bad defending team than the reality they actually are. That was my favorite part of the of the of the Stanley Cup final, just talking to all the different media guys. Oh, I didn't know the wow, wow, the abs really impressed me. I didn't know they had such a good decor. I didn't know their defense was so solid. To me, it, it feels kind of like the same thing with the Leafs, where you have this expectation that like you said, they're all gas, no breaks, they're all offense, can't keep the puck out of their net. And you watch them and it's like, eh, not bad, not bad. Yeah, it's good. That's a, it's a good defensive group. And yeah. Okay. Well, since we're talking about defensive groups, do you also want to defend your I don't know how to do this transition. I couldn't get couldn't get it there. I wanted uh, it for you. Yeah. Couldn't make it work. But go get yourself some green chef to get some absolutely delicious food. That's uh, what? You yeah. couldn't get there with for, to Green Chef? Yeah. Look, when opposing offenses are starting to cook, <laughs> you need an elite defense, okay? And yeah, but I, if, want, I want cooking here. You want to be it, cooking, Green Chef. So you yeah, don't want to stop the cooking. Some of the best cooks out there are the ones over at Green Chef. Oh, my God. Now, you can do these then, all right? No, no, no. That was just <laughs> one that I didn't think was very difficult. You're normally you normally got these on. I normally but... do, but it's our second show of the day. All right, I'm you fucking face planted into that one. It, sometimes you sometimes you got to go down with the ship. All right, uh, <laughs> Green Chef is a certified CCOF meal kit company, uh, and they make eating super duper easy with plans to fit every lifestyle, no matter what you're on, whether it's keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten free, or if you just want more balanced meals. Green Chef has a range of options that will take care of you no matter what. They offer you 24 different meals every week, so you can pick and choose which ones you want. I, I guess theoretically you could order all 24 if you really wanted, but usually you order like one per day. So, you know, you get at least three choices per day of the week for which meal you want and you can go with the best one. Personally, <laughs> I love I'm their a load up on, uh I'm going to load up on Saturday meals after a while that Friday night. <laughs> Green Chef for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, baby. Uh, I'm not. I'm not on the the vegan or, or vegetarian or any of that. I love their proteins. I think they're super high quality, especially compared to some of the uh, the other meal plan boxes out there. So, recommend you go get in on that. They're the number one meal kit for eating well. They offer fresh produce, all of the good stuff that so many of the others don't. Um, and you know, of course, they're doing the good stuff on the back end too, making sure they're 100% of their carbon footprint is offset and, and all that good stuff. So head on over there today. You can go to greenchef.com slash DNVRAVS135 to get $135 off your first order and you get free shipping as well. Again, that's greenchef.com slash DNVRAVS135, the number one meal kit for eating well. Uh, we're also brought to you by DraftKings. You can go over there and use code DNBR when you sign up for yeah. a and you can there. your first bet insured for up to $1,000. So even if your first bet misses, you get that bet paid back to you. Um, you're good to go. If you lose the bet, you get to bet it again. This time you get to try and hit the bet. Math adds up. Not too shabby. So Boom. jump on it today. Hmm? Boom. 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 It's that easy. Uh, go over there. You can bet on whatever you want, uh, ranging from, you know, the NHL to uh, – uh, I forget what the sport is called. Uh, it's, it's, it's No, 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 no. Soccer, but it's played on a giant ice rink. Never heard of it. Are yeah. You, are, you, are you talking about – is it played like the rules of soccer? Because I know there's that like Russian version of hockey that's hockey but played on a soccer-sized. No, ice no, no. Rink. It's it's soccer. It's soccer. You're playing soccer. 
say soccer again. And their skates on their feet and they're kicking it. Bandy, it's Bandy. Yes, thank yeah, you. Yeah, that's no, that's yeah. It, yes, they they kick the ball. They're playing know. soccer. Really, uh, really does not do well for the uh, not allowing kicked pucks in. Maybe it isn't banned. No, yeah, yeah, it's 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 hockey, but it's played on uh, a on a soccer size. No, yeah, it's not that. Game. There's there's one where they actually like play soccer. I don't know what it's called. Anyway, it doesn't matter. You can bet on it at DraftKings. <laughs> so I don't even know the names of these sports that you're betting on on DraftKings. Yo, Rocket League going into golf was pretty cool. Its hockey mode was not cool. Yeah, that the hockey, hockey mode struggled. You need verticality is required, and it's really hard to get the puck. Anyway, uh, go to DraftKings. Get in on whatever the crazy action is. Uh, must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Of course, if you have a gambling problem, call one 800 4700 Maybe it's just called ice soccer. It could be. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Rudo, AJ and I are doing uh, TDSP after this, and uh, we've got a Manscaped read if you want to come in and pinch hit. It's been a long time. It's been a long time since I've done one of those. Uh, I'm good, though. Um, i got a pack. <laughs> it, it is called ice soccer. It's <laughs> just called ice soccer. Yes. Great. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah okay <laughs> i love it so it's it's not skates but it's like special shoes is that okay that could be what it is yeah but, but they're, they're in like full hockey pads no skates and they're kicking yeah and they're kicking a soccer ball they're wearing gloves like hockey gloves okay um so getting back into the best units this conversation got a touch fiery on the show that you guys will see Friday, but best goaltending within the league, which isn't really, I, I mean, I guess you could bring up tandems, right? Like there's a little bit of an yeah. effect there. That's kind of the point is that the tandem is who's got the best tandem. Uh, that That's definitely not Tampa. It's definitely it, not New York either. No. <laughs> anybody, anybody know who Tampa Bay's backup is right now? Is it not Brian Elliott again? It still is. I was just curious if anybody <laughs> thought, if, if anybody was paying attention to what they did at that position. Yeah. Nope. nope still Brian Elliott. He's still playing. Um, yeah. Still leeching money off of NHL teams for being a little bitch. <laughs> I can't believe that. He's such a cool wife. <laughs> Most of these guys have awesome wives and or girlfriends. True. Is it is it Seattle? Like not on with, paper? Not like with Dreger's injury. I was gonna ask actually about Dreger's Are we factoring in current injury status? Yeah. I would say yes, we are factoring There's in injury. A lot of injuries. Um I mean, uh, New York. Yeah, I'll say the Isles. And Sorokin. That's a great one. Yeah, that, that honestly might be. That might be it. Varley and Sorokin. Like, I don't know if there's a better. All right. Does San Jose get bonus oh. points for having eight goaltenders? <laughs> well, uh, they can have more than one in that. Yeah. <laughs> So hold on, I'm actually going to walk this back. It's Florida. Yeah, with so Bob and Spencer. And Knight. Spencer yeah, Knight. okay, okay. I'm here for that. That's take. a great answer. I don't know if you get negative points because you have four more years of Sergey Bobrovsky at 10 million a year, but um, that's uh, that's got to be it. Uh, Ottinger and Wedgwood is that half decent? No, in Dallas, no, you're not. I'm, I'm, I'm a big Ottinger guy, but like he's got to, he's got to do it in the regular season. He's got to do sure. it for a season to get into that sure. tier. Uh, L.A. 
nobody going to to bat for Peter Morazic and Alex Stalock in Chicago. <laughs> I I did want to be controversial and say like there's a question mark in Vegas if these goaltenders are healthy and good yeah. to go, which is a question mark to me as well. Like I genuinely don't know that, well, but if they're healthy, that's actually a pretty good tandem. Well, Swan and Leonard, I do like, but uh, if it's Leonard and Logan Thompson, I mean, Logan Thompson was really good at the end of the year. I mean, is Leonard even healthy? This is the thing, is I have no idea. All right. How, let's, let's look at it this way. Where do you think Georgiev Francois falls in the list? Um, Before Georgiev does anything in Colorado, yeah. it's got to be like 26. It's got to be pretty low. Like, it's got to be way the hell down there, man. So I think there's there's two ways you look at it. If you're ranking, like, who has the best starter and then the best backup, I think the abs fall somewhere in the middle because you have a huge question mark at starter, but your backup is wonderful in, in the top three to five backups in the league. But if you're just looking at it as like the aggregate score, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd put them twentieth or lower until you see what happens. Okay. Like, how much how much more confidence do you have in Georgiev and Francois than you do Cam Talbot and Anton Forsberg? Um, Why? Well, it's hard because I I do think there is a difference in what you have to play behind. In terms of, like, I think that's part of the reason why Francois does so well. The Avs can make any goalie look good to a certain extent, right? Right. He's he's positionally sound. He's 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 a smart goalie. He's in the right place a lot. And the Avs' defensive system allows a goalie like that to kind of shine. Um. So I mean, again, just on paper, to answer your question, AJ, you probably about the same. Yeah, and, and that's kind of my point, is that I think that they're probably in the same tier as Ottawa for a, a tandem on day one of the season. There's obviously hope there. Both of those teams believe that they have a long-term starter, with Ottawa believing in Anton Forsberg's great season last year, and the Avs believing in Georgiev to be their guy. You know, uh, On the opposite end, you have like the middle of the pack, which is... Like Detroit with Nedeljkovic and Ville Huso, we are like, uh, okay, right. It's like going to an ice cream shop, and the the two flavors that you're allowed to pick are vanilla and pistachio. They're fine, but if those were your first picks, you shouldn't be allowed to make decisions. I am a vanilla ice cream guy. Well, well, I, I also cream. really like vanilla ice cream, but yeah. if that's your number one pick. That, if, if I walked into an ice cream shop with a hundred flavors, Getting I'd vanilla. Be vanilla. Yeah. For real. All right. Well, neither one of you should be allowed to vote. <laughs> what no, what was that, Megan? When you had to share your ice cream, AJ, what was the flavor? Uh, it was the uh, Canadian specific Ben and Jerry's variation. What goaltender would you say is equivalent <laughs> to that flavor? Uh, like Hellebuck and move on. <laughs> it was, it was, it was fine. I I liked it more than other people will, and I think it's a good combination of things. So I'd probably say Freddie Anderson. That's nice. You know, I was gonna say, well, how do you feel about Carolina's tandem with Freddie and Anthony Ranta backing him up? That's pretty solid. Those are that's a good tandem of two guys that are always fucking yeah. hurt. Yeah. When, when Anti Randa got hurt in that, that last injury that he got in the playoffs before he left, halfway through that save, I was like, that's an exploded yeah. groin. <laughs> the most predictable injury, like in the entire sport of hockey. <laughs> but before his leg even touched the ice, I was like, start warming him up. Get your mask out. Like, let's go. <laughs> you just you saw that coming in like slow motion. Yep. Um, um, I'm also just going back. To, I'm just also not a big ice cream guy. I'll eat it, but I don't like being on a clock for my dessert. I feel a lot I, of pressed to eat ice cream. 
I tell you, my preference is ice cream, like, in stuff. Like an ice cream sandwich or ice cream in a cone or whatever. I because, love an ice cream sandwich. Oh my because God, it, like, it. it it does speed me up and I, like, languish through food. And I prefer, like, when something is, like, just fucking eat it, AJ. So... When something when something pushes me forward, I'm like I can appreciate that. Oh, uh, see, so yeah, I just I like a a cup of ice cream from like Cold Stone or a cone or whatever. The pressure just gets me. You got to eat it too fast before you just end up with like a a bowl of heavy cream and sugar. Love a love a waffle cone. The only downside is is when that shit melts out the bottom. It's like, come on, this is just a big mess now. We started getting the the mini drumsticks. They're about yay big, and they're a waffle cone on the bottom. Those are good. They're, this they're is perfect. You're drifting into another Rudo bad food take here. You Let's do it. If it's I, about ice cream, there's a chance I agree. I, I love the cones from Dairy Queen that are essentially just like styrofoam. Oh, but <laughs> the ones that are made of sidewalk chalk? Yeah, I love those. Yeah, love dude, those. I love a good sugar cone. Absolutely. Like yeah. what soft serve standard comes in, like at a ball game? That kind of cone? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. That's a good cone. Yeah, yeah, it's all fine. Right. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll take the dub. You don't have yeah. to convince me on this. One. Look, man, some people out there like roller ring pizza, okay? And that's like the roller ring pizza of things to put ice cream in. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like the OG before they started getting adventurous with what you could put in. Like, I don't know, this compressed sugar. Can Can I also <laughs> just say, can we give up on fucking dots? They're dipping dots. You can't continue to market yourself as ice cream of the future. I've been alive for almost 35 years, and you've been ice cream of the future for 30 of them. All right. The future future is not happening, fam. Ice cream is here to stay. Here's my complaint about Dippin' Dots. I like Dippin' Dots a lot. We actually tried to order them once. You have to have a special freezer. It has to be able to get down to a certain temperature to keep Dippin' Dots. So being told the cone that i like is actually a cake cone cool it looks like this yeah Yeah, it's a great cone okay all right yeah it's a classic just checking good cone the best the best is when you get to the bottom of that thing and all the ice or all the ice cream is like settled in there yeah yeah, and it's settled and soggy and you're just like one bite you toss the whole thing in there and it's like a ice cream grenade in your mouth and you're like wow that was intense i'm going to dairy queen after the show it's happening there's a, little, there's a little dixie cup of ice cream for you waiting at the end of one of those bad boys those are great uh all right is that is that dixie cup of ice cream the avs top six mm. uh i the problem is is that we don't know what the two c and yeah is. it's not solved if, yet if if there was an answer, if it was a Rodriguez or a Stasny, or we knew who they wanted internally to put there, then I think we could fairly judge it. And until then, that question mark at 2C is just too big to feel like you can put the abs at like one or two. Here, here's, here's what I'll say. I'll go, I'll go full burgundy tinted glasses. I think even with a question mark penciled in there, that's a top five to seven top yeah. six to me. Like even agree. with the question mark. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. They're just, they're, they're, they're. I'm sorry, good. but Landeskog, McKinnon and Rantanen alone is like, okay, that's half your top six. Right. Right. There's a limit on how low <laughs> these dudes. Yeah. No, for sure. Okay. Megan. They're, they're, and- yeah. Let me put it to you this way. How much faith do you have in Lekkinen and Nachushkin to keep pushing that top six the right direction? If we're looking short-term future, I have so much faith. Like it's it's at the end uh, of a couple years that I begin to have some more question marks. But like looking at the next season, I have a lot of faith that they're going to compete at a similar level to what we came to expect from them last year. So I think that they elevate the top six, at least through next season in a big way. So no worries about replacing Burkowski. Not huge worries. Like it's not to demerit what he did bring to the team, but I'm not hugely worried that can't be replaced in some way. Okay. You like like the free production, but 
like Manger said, with all due respect to Andre Burakovsky. I don't think – I'll, I'll say right now, I don't think either guy scores Burakovsky 61 this next year. Very possible. Yeah. And I definitely don't think that they get the 140 points or whatever that they're going <laughs> to lose from Kadri Burakovsky combined. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're just not replacing Kadri. You could bring Nazem Kadri back and you wouldn't get Nazem Kadri's production from <laughs> last year. You're like, there's, you can't replace that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, the rest of the league. Who we who we going? Is Tampa still up there with a healthy Braden Point? With Kucherov and Stamkos, mm-hmm. hard not to think they are, right? They're excellent. Losing losing Palat hurts. Yeah, because who really who's the rest of their top six? So yeah, you've got Kucherov point Stamkos. Uh you have Kalorn, who was really good during the regular season. Is Sorelli your three C at that point? Because if he's your three C, that one hurts a little bit. Nick Paul and Brandon Hagel rolling into your top six is is that is that the answer? Uh, I, the high end is there for sure, but I just don't. Uh, the question marks rise up so fast. Yeah, that even with Alex Kalorn, like Alex Kalorn's coming off a year where he had fifty nine points, he scored twenty five goals, and then went no goals and four assists in twenty three playoff games, <laughs> and so it's like. Argh. How do we feel about Alex Kalorn as a top six guy, as a bona fide top six guy? You know, Nick Paul's going to be probably part of that top six next year. How do we feel about that? Because he was really good in the regular season, uh, like abnormally good in the regular season for them. And then is that is that just it? Is he just going to be wildly productive next to those guys? Or is he going to go back to being, is he going to be like a 35-point guy? I, I just That's Tampa Bay. Tampa for me, I think Tampa Bay falls out of that group because there are other groups that I just have more confidence in. I like I, I like New Jersey's group. I like Vancouver's group. I like Winnipeg's group. Having a good top six is having having a good top six is not that difficult to do these days. I think it's 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 the area where you can build. You know, St. Louis is another team that I think. That's a really good top six. Toronto, yeah, Carolina is amazing. So I was going to say, because, you know, we had a conversation, uh, myself, AJ, and uh, our boy, Andre Simone, last week on on um, TDSP. Uh, and one of the things that Dre was talking about in terms of why the last couple of years have felt so disappointing for the Nuggets, because it really felt like the NBA had finally come out of the kind of stretch where they were in, where it was down to a few teams that really had a chance every year and that Andre was saying he felt the NBA was really wide open these last couple of years. Honestly, I, I, I just, as we're going through this conversation and I'm sitting here going kind of up and down, looking through some of these groups, I almost feel a little bit, and let me know if you guys disagree. I almost feel a little bit like the NHL is in that spot right now where there are a few teams that have kind of carved out at the top. Again, we've seen Tampa go back to the cup final three years in a row. Uh, the last two years were against kind of weird fluky opponents on, you know, in, in weird playoff formats and stuff. But like, I really like, as we're sitting here, I, I really not very good call- teams on goalie heaters. Right. Right. I think it's, I think it's Colorado. I think you got Toronto, I think you know, sure. Is Tampa still up there to some extent, but like, then you have a lot no. of teams that are trying to carve out, that top six. And it's just, I I really do. I have a hard time going through here and saying like, that's a great top six. That's a great top six. I think you have a bunch of top sixes that have some good players, but have big holes. And there are more good top sixes than any other unit out there that we're talking about in the show. You said good. Yeah, there are, there are how many good to great defenses in the NHL. It's like there's like seven of them where you're like, damn, that's a that's a group right there. There's there's just not that many of them. Bottom bottom sixes. They are what they are for sure. And but and like goaltending tandems, you know, there's a couple that really stand out as as special. But 
those are driven mostly by the starter anyway. And you're you're talking about a, a top six though. Like it's just the easiest thing to build. Look at Ottawa. Everybody's so, like, oh damn, the Sens this year. No, oh, they're back. They're gonna be their the, the the dark horse. They're the sneaky team to, to surprise everybody. And then you look at the rest of that fucking roster and you're like, that's well, your dark horse. So that's here's your dark horse. Here's the thing about top sixes is I think it's pretty easy to build a top three. I think it's pretty hard to build a really, really good second line. No, but I, I think, and, and I don't know, maybe AJ, I don't want to be putting words in your mouth here, but I think AJ's point is like, it's almost every team has a good to passable top six. Yeah, because if you don't, you're the Arizona Coyotes. Right. right. And that's, right. that's the point, though, is that that's not where any, that's not where the elite teams get their advantages. Right. That's, 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 if that's your number one strength in your team is your top six, you will not win a Stanley Cup. Well, and, and okay, I, I can agree I, with that. But at, 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 the, at the same time, like I, I, you look back over the last couple of years at a lot of the analytical models that have loved the abs. I mean, like even in the cup final, a lot of the models had the abs as like very, very, very heavy, heavy favorites. And I think a lot of that comes down to this exact conversation. Almost every team has a good to pretty good top six. The Avs had a great, had an elite top six the back half of this last season. And it's just, it's easy to get a good top six, but it's really hard to separate yourself into that next tier. And I think that was one of the, the Avs were able to do it. And it's and you don't see it very often. I think that's part of why, part of why, uh, they they were so dominant because a lot of teams can slap together a, a solid right. top. Look, every every franchise base like twenty eight of the thirty two franchises have a cornerstone piece in their one C position, basically, right? They almost all have a star on their top line. Most of them probably have two or three prominent players on their top line what separates top sixes is really the second line, like getting an 86 point season out of Nazem Kadri. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, and, and it's, and, what, it's, it's like, I think a great example of what Rudo's talking about. You look at a team like Nashville. Yep. Last year, Nashville with Duchesne, Granlund and Forsberg had a sick top line. Yep. They all, they all had career highs. They have two forty goal scores. Holy shit. Oh my God. Oh, they're so good. Everybody's freaking out, right? Like, okay. And then their next, their next line is Ryan Johansson and Tanner Janot and Yakov Trenin. And like the fall off is just so significant. And now, you know, this year they add Nino Niederreiter to that and they try and build up like, okay, the, the, the goal is to get your top six so that it's, like it's not a major advantage for either team in a seven game series. Yep. Each one can do damage, but then you get deeper into your lineup and do you still have killers? Do you still have some guys that can do work for you? Do you have an Alex Newhook just chilling somewhere in your lineup? Do you have JT Comfort just hanging out, waiting to make a big difference? Do you have, do you know, do you have some of those guys that can, that can help you out in that, in a seven game series? that are in your bottom six that can do more than just go out there and do nothing. Because as we've seen with Edmonton going out there and being break even or worse is not acceptable. You have to do something out there. You've got to give them something. And you know, like Ed, we didn't even talk about it, but Edmonton's top six at this point, Edmonton's top six is pretty fucking good. Like McDavid, Dreisaitl, Hyman, uh, RNH, Evander Kane. Kyler Yamamoto, like those guys all comprise a really solid group there. You know, you look at the Florida top six and you're like, wow, the swap out Uberdo for Kachuk, but then you take Uyghur off of their defense and you're like, Florida taking a step back. How good that top six is just doesn't really matter that much. Yeah. Unless you unless you're team fucking Canada, how good your top six is honestly just isn't that important. It's, it's the most overrated part of a roster, in my opinion. Because, again, 
You're looking at Ottawa's top six. People falling all over themselves to turn the Sens into a playoff team. And you look at literally everything else on that roster. And you're like, Ugh, there's a lot of work to be done there. Well, a lot of work. Megan looked like you wanted to jump in back there. I was just thinking about what each of us has been saying, and it's hard to maintain an elite top six season after season, especially in this cap era. Like we're talking about Tampa's top six last year being really wonderful. And then going into this year, taking a step backwards, kind of similar situation for the Avs and its result of the cap era and being able to retain the same people year after year is a difficulty. Um, and so next year is going to be a really big test for the Avs because they do have a lot of pieces that remain in their top six that can make them among top contenders. Um, but whether or not they can make proper adjustments to continue being elite is, remains to be seen. Because I look at other teams just in the offseason in general, like teams that were top contenders that had a good top six forward group. Um, didn't necessarily get better this offseason because they had to address similar problems. Like even the New York Rangers get a little, they take a couple step backwards up front. Um, and so I think that a lot of the top contenders are in a similar position as the Avs. And then I look at the teams that had maybe splashy marquee movement in this offseason, and they were teams that needed to get better. And so I don't know if that moves the needle that much for them either. Uh, so I just think it's an interesting conversation overall, and everybody's working within the confines of similar parameters regarding the cap. Well, that, to your first point, turns out when you have a good 2C, they go get paid to be someone's 1C. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and so I just want to go back to what AJ was talking about a little bit, because I, I don't necessarily know if I fully agree that it's the most overrated, but to AJ's point, why did the Avs win the Stanley Cup? Their depth. Nobody had the depth to skate with them. And that Edmonton series was maybe the best example of that. Uh, and obviously there's injuries on both teams and all that stuff. But again, so we, let's go back to the conversation we had on the last show, which is actually tomorrow's show. Um, you know, the abs were able to survive McDavid. So let's even just say, okay, cool. Let's say your top six is kind of cancel out. You survive McDavid, push back, it kind of is a wash. That's why everyone, all of us going into that series, were like, yeah, cool. As long as you don't let Connor McDavid score four goals a night, like your, your depth is just going to win out. Like you're, you're just going to be able to outlast a team like Edmonton. Um, and, and the Avs did it against Nashville. Uh, they clearly did it against Edmonton. St. Louis, and I think we had this conversation recently. St. Louis was the only team whose depth, you know, kind of went blow for blow with the abs. And that was, you know, the series that went six games and whatever, whatever, but having a top six is important. It's, you need to have your stars, your stars get you over the line, but uh, the depth is depth. Uh, Andre Burkowski is the perfect example of this, right? In, in, in both of the cups that that guy has won now in Washington, you know, he hadn't quite broken out yet, but a lot of teams felt like he was stuck in their bottom six and had potential at the top six level. You get to Colorado, he plays in their top six, but by the end of this season, he was regularly on the Avs' third line, and the Avs were comfortable with just having him down there. And then, you know, he scores some huge goals for the Avs in the playoffs, gets hurt in the end, obviously. But you have a guy who would be in the top six on most teams in the league playing on your third line for the Avs and, you know, make it whoever you want, whether it was Burakovsky down there or Lekkanen or, or Nachushkin, whoever you dropped on that given day that's an insane difference when you have even just that seventh guy of depth to put a talented player on your third line. That's just better than everyone else down there. Yeah. And, and you look at the important and just how important it really is. Like ever, I say, everybody has a, has a good top six and blah, 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 blah. But if you're one guy shy, I mean, look at, look at the Kings. They get to, they, they, they take Edmonton to seven games uh, they they have two chances to knock them out in the postseason. They and and Victor Arvidsson doesn't play at all in that series. They're hurt. They're they're you know they're just not quite able to get that offense up to snuff. What's their big offseason move? They get Kevin Fiala, mm -hmm. and it's like okay, now they've got that guy. Okay, now they they've got to work. They've got to worry about the rest of that roster now. 
because that top six you feel good about. You've got Kopitar, Fiala, Dano, Kempe, and Arvidsson. They've spent money. They've spent money. They've traded for those guys. They've signed all those guys. They're they're okay. That's their top six now. Now those I follow. I forgot about. They need to go out now, and they need to they need to to take the next step because that was their big deficiency. They couldn't score goals. Okay, now they've got to figure it out. They they can no longer be the possession heavy team that gets forty five shots per game, but can't score any goals. So is it is it a situation where it's like your top six doesn't win you the cup, but it's real hard to win a cup without one? Yeah, exactly. You're not winning a Stanley Cup without a good top six. You're just not doing it. You yeah. might get to a, you might get to a final. You might compete. You might win a round or two, but you're not you're not winning four games. You're not or four rounds in the postseason without a good top six. But it's also the easiest thing to if like. Oh my God, we we were just dying for a second line left wing. <laughs> Kevin Fiala is available every year. That guy, that guy's always out there. Well, it also depends on what your interpretation of top six guy is, because yeah, there's all kinds of guys every year that could fit yeah, into I, a second line you, role. Like you could get into a whole conversation of how do you want to build your second line? Do you want it to right. be a defensive shutdown or do you want yeah. the offensive punch sure. yeah. like what do you have and what do you need but i'm saying it doesn't really matter those guys are available every year you go into free agency and those are the those are the guys that teams are like we'll let our sixth forward walk and go and find a different one right you know yeah. like they're they're fine with that. i mean you seattle this year a great example a team that paid uh, in in contract and trade, their 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 top four wings on their team are now Jordan Eberle, Jaden Schwartz, Andre Burakovsky, and Oliver Bjorkstrand. For a team that couldn't score goals last year, it's a pretty good way to address that problem. You mm-hmm. go and get Burakovsky and Bjorkstrand, who are two goal scorers. You go and get a couple of these guys, and now you're like, okay, well, where is Seattle? Uh. Very quickly, we are brought to you by Avaca TV. You can go to avaca.tv slash DNVR right now. Uh, no, it's not. It's slash Colorado 10 now. My bad. It's evoca.tv slash Colorado 10 to get $15 a month for the first three months of your TV with them. They have all the local sports channels, including Altitude. They've got the national channels. They've got movie and show channels as well. Go check them out today. Avaca TV. Easy TV right on your TV. Make it simple. Also brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Go get yourself some of that absolutely delicious beer. Can't go wrong with that no matter what. All right. Starting to wind the show down. Do we want to dig into bottom sixes or is it just, is it too messy down there to really shake things out? I think too, too messy, especially with, uh, enough unsigned guys and unfinished positions. Sure. I was worried about talking about defenses, knowing that there's like PK Subban and Calvin DeHaan types that are out there. Where I'm like, look, if a team went out and signed Calvin DeHaan and PK Subban to be their third pairing, I'd be like, wow, that's a really good third pairing. Mm-hmm. Please, Nashville, don't do this. <laughs> uh, but it would be like, wow, that's a really good third pairing, and I would feel much differently about them because where I typically feel most teams get let down is at the bottom of their lineups where you're either that guy's not going to ever play again in the a in the NHL uh, either for retirement reasons or he's just not good enough. And that's actually an AHL player. And we just don't have anybody else. Um, I mean, we, but if you're in any... like Patrick Nemeth explode in the bottom <laughs> of the Habs lineup and he still hasn't recovered to like, right. Like, uh, but, but you're, you look at the abs, at the in their their forward core, at the bottom of their forward core, it used to be a graveyard for NHL careers. Yep, they had so many guys every year that that would come in, and that was the last time they would play in the NHL. Renee like, Bork, the, <laughs> like the Rene Bork types, the where it was just like you've heard of this dude, but it's done. Yep, and they aren't there really anymore. Yeah, they. I mean, they have 
influxes of new talent, whether it be internally guys like Logan O'Connor, whether it be uh, bringing in options, you know, to varying degrees of success, like Mikhail Maltsev, obviously Val Nichushkin started as a as a bottom six guy in Colorado and has had wild success. Now, to be fair, wouldn't be surprised if both Darren Helm and Andrew Cogliano retire after this season, but you know, that one worked out. So <laughs> Darren Helm is younger than I think every time I look at his age. Guys, he's, I've I've told you guys that when they signed him last year, I thought he was dead. Yeah, he, he's. I like, had him mistaken for a different person. I thought oh he died. God, oh my gosh! Oh, yeah. wait, oh, you like actually like thought he was? Yeah, I've, I had to, I had him mixed up with somebody else and thought he had died because I hadn't thought about Detroit as a relevant hockey team in so long that when they signed him, I was like, "Why did they sign a dead guy?" <laughs> I was very confused, and then I was like, "Oh my god!" I'm, I'm, I, I can see why that would be confusing. Yeah. <laughs> but that's so when you're like oh dude, he's he's older than i think every time i think about it, i'm like yeah and in the back of my mind i'm always like yeah it's because he's dead <laughs> he's not supposed to be getting older <laughs> oh anyway yeah i'm glad he wasn't dead me too me too <laughs> <laughs> okay um moving that's on fun. from that conversation do we have any final thoughts about units and about uh, how teams are built. Because I do think we talk about this top six defense, bottom six, but a lot of the time the on ice unit is a line and a defensive pair. So sometimes units are built to be a five person unit there instead of you think of a top six. Nothing to add. No final well, thoughts. Wait, hold on. Hold on. I'm sorry, because you, you lost me on that. So we're talking about units as like you have a top six forward core, right? And then you yeah. have defensive core as if, as if they're in their own little compartments. Yeah. But when you're playing five on five, you have two defensemen out there with three forwards. Yeah. Are, are, are you asking who has the best five man unit? Well, I think it's Colorado, but yes. Yes. It takes yeah. Yeah. Um, is there, is there another, I mean, that's, that is yeah. one where you're looking at Tampa Bay and you're saying, Kucherov, Point, Stamkos, Hedman, Chernak. Pick anyone at that point. And you're, and you're like, <laughs> and then you throw Vasilevsky in that, yeah. in that top six, in that that starting six. You're like, that might be the best starting six in the NHL. I, I I actually agree. I think I think Tampa still has the best starting six, um, including goaltender. Um. I mean, there, there's a few really high-end five-man units around the league. Yeah, Toronto, even with their, even with their defense not being as good, in terms of individuals as Hedman, McCarr, Taves. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, depending on the alignment, right? Like a like Drysaddle McDavid. And then a Vander Kane with Darnell Nurse, and I guess I guess Cody Ceci. I don't really know. I'm just so not a Dar- Darnell Nurse guy, and don't. But I mean, I think I think he's wildly overpaid, but I think he's real good at what he does. But like, sure. like that's the thing is that you, it's hard to find an unimpeachable top six because you get like four deep, and you're like, girl, he's Alfred Kane. Yeah, these are this. These are all good, and then there's like a weak link somewhere. For color for Colorado, it's Georgiev, and I think for a lot of teams, it's one of the defensemen or the goaltender. Well, the, the reason I still put, I mean, even if you're talking starting six, I, I still think Colorado finds himself in that conversation because of how good their top two defensemen are. Yeah, their five are. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even with Gorgiev, Francos, it doesn't like you're you're putting Colorado somewhere at near the top of that. Um, we haven't prepped for all that, so I'm not going to ask everybody to do it on the fly. But those there would be some pretty good six man units. All right, another summer show. This one up, definitely another summer show. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. I don't know what y'all are doing for a show tomorrow. I'm off tomorrow, so you guys have fun with that. 
Uh, we're doing a Q&A tomorrow, so anybody that's really dying, any any major questions, there's a decent chance that we go through the roommate slash Tim Peel stories that people have been asking for. Um, there's a good chance that that happens tomorrow. And then, I don't know, ho- hopefully Megan's got a crazy story that she can bring to the table. And <laughs> we can each just have a, hey, here's this batshit insane thing that happened to me. Yeah. And maybe we'll end it with some more whining. Who knows? I could think of something. You better be having some wine if you end it with whining. So I'm hosting. This may just turn into a bitch fest for one full hour. <laughs> I need to think of my grapes then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, for today, we are out of here. We appreciate all y'all hanging out on the second channel with us because YouTube is silly. Uh, we'll see you in the next one.